Thanks for joining us today for the Ramp Church podcast. We pray that you will be encouraged and empowered by this week's message and you would encounter God wherever you're listening from. If you'd like to know more about Ramp Church Manchester or would like to partner with us in giving, visit us over on our website ramp.church/mcr or find us on social media. Now, let's go into this week's message. One encounter in the presence of God changes everything. And I want to talk a bit about, today's a bit of a unique service because I'm going to talk a bit about what's happened over the past five years. And uh, if you haven't been a part of that journey, it's okay. It's not just going to be um, nostalgia. There's going to be something in it where we get to see the way God works and we get to be encouraged or inspired by that. But there's also um, principles and teaching for you. There's actually some very simple ideas that I feel like the Holy Spirit's laid on my heart for you. Some of them so simple, I'm, I was resistant to even share them because they almost feel cliche. But I feel like today, it's sometimes the simple truths that actually call us, that move our hearts and call us into the next season for our lives. But I'm, I'm always amazed to go, to go big picture. And see, what's the story that God's writing? I use that word all the time, the God's story or the story. And it's because I believe if you can get God's story inside of you, you will live your life differently day to day. Um, for some of us, we can still be dealing with some of the same challenges Maybe it's mental challenge or emotional challenges, financial challenges, relational challenges. But if I realize that all of those challenges are inside of God's story, I, I walk through those challenges differently. Instead of those challenges defining me, the story of God defines me. And the challenge then actually has a place somehow in God's story. But it isn't the loudest thing in my life. Um, I think about it like um, like the, the sound console right there that Alicio is controlling. Alicio, give us a wave, bro. Come on. Isn't he doing awesome? So Alicio is actually still a sound engineer in training here, but um, I just want to honor you um, for all that you do here at, at Ramp Church. And most time, people don't recognize the sound engineer until they do something wrong. A mic squeals, there's a pop somewhere, and everybody looks right there to Alicia. Um, but I, I, I think of sometimes the noise in our life like those faders on, on the sound console. And whatever is the loudest is, is really going to determine what impacts you. And if you can find the fader of God's story in your heart and in your mind... And you can make sure that is setting the tone, it's setting the key, it's setting the rhythm for every, for the rest of the mix, for every other fader, you're going to find that everything else kind of finds its place. But if pain is setting the tone, I'm not trying to shame you or guilt you for that. All of us have seasons where the loudest thing in my heart or in my mind is pain. But if that's setting the tone, then you're going to see everything through a pain filter. You're going to resist opportunity um, because of the potential for hurt. You're going to see an open door as, as a vulnerability, not actually as an open door to see great change or great fruit in your life. Why? Because pain is, the fader of pain is so loud. But if we can get the fader of God's story, if that can be the loudest part of our lives, 
then all of a sudden pain isn't just hurtful. Pain can have purpose. I can start to see the way that God wants to use it. I didn't say God caused it. I said God is going to use something. It's the way He redeems things that could, that could take us down. And He wants to redeem that. He wants to use that thing that could hurt us or could destroy us for our betterment. Can you see that today? So I want to bring us back. This is actually a passage that we return to probably a few times a year, every couple months here at Ramp Church. And it's in Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm not going to camp out here. I just want it to kind of um, send out kind of a sound over the rest of this message. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. I love the way the New Living Translation translates these verses. It says this, Paul is speaking to the church he leads in, in the city of Ephesus, which is in um, western Turkey. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. I love that. I, I, sometimes Paul has such efficiency of language, he packs a lot into each phrase. But God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ. I wish I could say that. I feel like I have like a millimeter in an ocean of mysterious will, right? Like I feel like I have this much revealed and the rest is mystery. Am I the only person in here? Um, much of my life is mystery, right? But, but what, what Paul is saying is Christ has revealed his mysterious will, it's been shrouded, but now it's been revealed to us. And he's about to, to, to say what it is. And what he's essentially saying is what we just talked about. This, this mysterious will that's been revealed is so profound that everything else can come into alignment with it. And this is what he says, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And I love this. He's so, he's, he speaks so directly. And this is the plan. Anybody interested in Christ's big plan for the whole world of all that he's doing. At the right time, say the right time, he, Christ, God, will bring everything, say everything, just the, just the Sunday morning parts of your life. Just the churchy parts, just the, the, just the Wednesday nights when you're in ramp church community groups, or the everyday parts of your life, the family parts, the career part of your life, the struggles, all of it, all the stuff you checked at the door because you thought, well, I can't carry this into Sunday morning. I better check all these things at the door. No, all of those things. If you checked anything at the door, you can just some point during the message go grab it and bring it back because it's best carried in God's presence. This is the plan. At the right time, God will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. If you're wondering what the plan of God is, what is the big picture story of everything that's happening? God is about the business of bringing everything in heaven and on earth, everything, under the authority of the benevolent King Jesus. And he's going to rule in righteousness and in justice. He's going to make every wrong thing right. He's going to redeem everything that's been lost. He's going to straighten every crooked thing, bring light to every dark place. He's going to bring provision where there's lack and healing and wholeness where there's brokenness. Yeah. 
I am American, so I'm still learning how to speak English, guys. <laughs> That's his plan. That's his plan. And what you and I are, our part to play, first of all, we're recipients of, of the decisions and the decrees and the activity of this benevolent king. But we are also, what the New Testament says, we're ambassadors of this benevolent king's rule and reign. So our day-to-day activity is about announcing, that's the gospel, announcing the good news that there is a new king in town and he's ready to express and demonstrate his rule and reign in each new life. And when he comes and does that, he starts his kingdom project not in Whitehall, but in your heart. He starts his kingdom project not in parliament, not in the international justice court in The Hague, not in Washington, D.C. He starts his government project inside your heart and my heart. And he expresses that rule and reign through the spheres of our own life. And it's that process, it's that storyline that you and me are a part of. And our performance is not what determines the success of this kingdom. It's our yieldedness and our obedience and our submissive heart to this benevolent king. So now I want to talk a bit about our story over the past um, five years. The first thing I want to just say is there is a global outpouring. If you're not aware of this, I wish I could take the whole message to talk about this because it's one of my favorite subjects. There's a global outpouring of God's spirit right now. Um, we, we live, of course, in what sociologists, some sociologists would say is a post-Christian society. It's really the first post-Christian society in the history of the world. It's, it's, a, it's a culture, a society where um, a Christian worldview, Christian value system has had prominence at one time. But the culture has then um, responded to that or, or rejected or even moved on um, or uh, um, just kind of um, changed into something new. Um, and, but, and so we don't always see that, that movement. It is happening. It's in its early stages here in this culture, this society. But if you go to other nations of the world, the beautiful thing about Christianity is that the center of Christianity is not on a geographical location, but it moves to the place um, where people are hungriest. And do you know the fastest growing church in the world right now is in the Middle East? Um, I, I'm in a text group, Mike and I are actually in a, in a text group with, um, with a couple uh, church leaders who are leading hundreds of underground churches in Iran. And they, they frequently send us news and stories and testimonies, often with words redacted, um, just in case there are any kind of tracers on texts. <laughs> words redacted about people's names or their previous faith or... Um, or the city, um, with news about what's happening in the underground churches. But people are meeting um, by the millions in, in places where it's illegal to follow Jesus. And there, there's a prominent, uh, the, 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 God is especially in the Middle East using women to lead the church, which I, just, which I absolutely love. 
And so there are many women church leaders who are planting churches, leading churches. And so Iran is the number one fastest growing church in the world. Afghanistan is number two. The fastest growing church in the world is in Afghanistan. And so we are seeing God do, as the church, we're seeing God do incredible things. Entire nations have moved from single-digit percentage um, of Christians over the past century into, into, into the dozens of percentages. Uh, when I mean God's moving over the last century, this is not just something that happened in the book of Acts. God is moving in incredible ways in the world. That's the story of what God's doing. And if we have, if we have this like um, very our nation-centric idea of the way God, God's moving, we're missing what he's doing in his kingdom. Right? We're part of it, but he's doing so much more than just what he's doing in our community. That's the storyline of God. There's a global outpouring of God's spirit. And I feel like when I look back at the past five years of our story here at Ramp Church, it's really wild because God just interrupted us in the middle of what we were doing in Alabama um, in a place that could not be much different from Manchester, England. (laughs) And just for some reason said, I want you guys um, to be a part of what I'm doing in Manchester. Now, I always say this because I believe it with every cell in my body. Um, there's amazing things already happening in Manchester. So it's not like we brought anything new. God's already up to stuff, and we just said, hey, we want to come be a part of, of what God's doing. There's amazing churches in the city and ministries. There's churches that if I didn't lead a church, I would be a part of. Right? I mean, we're just one facet of what God's doing. And, and, uh, and so we came, I believe, you know, you know why I think we came? Because intercessors said God we believe in the harvest field and we ask you to send more laborers to the harvest field. And so I think he thought, well, there's some people in Alabama who are maybe just gullible enough to believe that if I asked them to move 4,000 miles, that they'll actually do it. Somebody's praying for laborers and so I'll go ask them. And so here we are. Here we are five years later. But God kind of interrupted our world but we weren't the only people he has been speaking to. And I want to share, you, share with you a bit about that. But our journey with Manchester actually starts in 2004. People ask me all the time, well, why Manchester? What, what, you know, first of all, they, they say, well, why not London? Um, and then I go, well, have you been to Manchester? Because I'm pretty sure it's, it's England's number one city. Come on, saints. So I just, and then I just leave it at that. <laughs> but our journey with Manchester started in, 2000, started in 2004 when Pastor Karen, um, who was a gospel singer primarily at the time, she had just recently started this youth outreach called The Ramp. If you're wondering about why we're called The Ramp, that's a different story. But we started off as a youth out, outreach not unlike the Message Trust. And it was just lost young people um, uh, finding Jesus and getting set free from drug addictions and alcohol addictions and sexual addictions and and finding Jesus and finding purpose and and then bringing their their friends from school to to be a part of this and out of that 
came conferences and um, uh, a school of ministry now, local churches, and now over 300,000 people have come through the doors of what God's doing there in, in Alabama. But it started off as a little youth group with seven kids. That's how it started off. And, uh, and so it was that journey. In 2004, Pastor Karen came here, and she experienced something with the young people on the streets here that really impacted her, and she knew someday we'll have a work in Manchester. It wasn't for another 12 or 13 years before we actually made the move um, to come here. It was 15 years of prayer um, and travel before, before we actually started Ramp Church. But something happened in 2007 that was really significant for all of us, and that was a group from Manchester came to the Ramp in Alabama. And I want to play you a video um, from that conference in 2007. I, I was... Um, uh, 2007, I was 12. Kidding. kidding. Um, if you see me, I will look like I'm 12. No, I'm, I'll, I'll be playing guitar, but Ru, I really want you to, to notice, uh, well, you, you won't be able to avoid it, is um, our very own James Aladdin is on this video, and he's fresh out of university um, in this video. This is before Prayer Storm. This is before the Message Trust for him, and... Um, we were just praying for Manchester up to this point. But I want to show you what really God used as a catalyst in our hearts towards Manchester, um, but also to form our relationship with James Aladdin. Now, the video quality of this is horrendous. So uh, there's like buzzing, and I mean, it's awful. And the hairdos are um, <laughs> circa old. I'll just say that. Um, but have fun. from England. Where are you? Come over here, buddy. Come here. Just come over here and stand right here. Uh, what about the, the other three kids from England that flew here just for this conference, too? Where are you guys? Right there. Come on up. Come on up. Come on. You thought you had a long drive. Do y'all know each other or not? No? Now we do. Okay. They met here. They're both from England, but they met here. How about that? Hamilton, Alabama. How interesting is that? The Lord seems to just be wanting to do things a little different tonight, and that's fine with us. We're pretty accustomed to doing things different around here. But um, rather than just continuing in the worship, I just sense that something else is needing to happen. So we're just going to stop right here until we really hear what he's wanting. About eight years ago or so, I, I lose track of time, I was with Benny Hen in uh, England. And I was in a place called Manchester, England. And so after the crusade that night, I just got out and walked the streets by myself. And it was about one in the morning because I was just gripped. I looked out my motel room window and I just saw thousands of young people in the streets just walking. And I mean, it was thousands of them. It was like as far as I could see because it was a big, pretty big city. They have 80,000 college kids in that one city. So I just went down and began to talk to kids one-on-one and, and uh, kind of just find out sort of where they were. And they were very open, very just real. I mean, I was watching girls pass out from being drunk on this just right there in front of me. And, but whenever I would talk to them, one thing, they were sort of intrigued with the southern accent thing. But hey, it gave me an open door and I took it. 
So they were like, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm, I'm actually here because I'm, I'm a singer. And I sang, oh, I sang for us. So I just took off singing right there. And they just began to cry. I mean, as soon as I started singing, girls began to cry, asking me to pray for them. So when I left Manchester, England, I left a part of my heart there. And I have prayed for England ever since I left that, that place, particularly in Manchester. We got an email a few weeks ago from a young man, ironically, from Manchester, England, who had been watching. Well, maybe I'll let you tell it. How about that? What if I, what if I just let you tell it? When I realized he was from Manchester, and he said, I'm coming to the ramp. These people have flown here from England just for this conference this weekend. You tell them. Um, about three years ago, well, first off, we're not all English. My dad is a missionary and I've been living in England for five years. But God has really burdened me and the guys with me here, you know, for England and reaching the souls there. Cause Years and years ago, missionaries came to Nigeria, Africa, to bring the gospel. But England, England now is in a great need of the gospel because, you know, people are so far off. So God is sending people back to England to claim the land back for God. And I believe that's the burden we carry for England. Well, three years ago, um, I was watching the ramp on uh, streaming faith, and uh, it just really impacted me. After watching it, I was just like you know, in the spirit, just praying, and I was like, God, I want to see something like this in England, Lord, I want to see young people saved, I want to see young people on fire for you like this, you know, this is lacking, you know, even amongst Christians, I couldn't see the same fire, the same passion, and I was crying out to God, you know, and that's been a burden on my heart, and um, uh, uh, just two, three weeks ago, we, we all graduated from university university so I was uh, seeking God and asking him what to do and uh, the ramp just came to my mind and I was like I've got to go to the ramp I don't know what it is they have but I've got to have that and I've got to bring it back to England <laughs> so, so my prayer is that you know God bringing us here will be somehow his way of spreading a fire in England, you know, and he's starting a fire in England, even through us, even through me. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I'm going to go back and I'm going to be an example that people can look at me and see the fire of God and want what I have because they are hungry for God. And I want God to use me and I want God to use us. So that's why we are here. I'm not here just to have fun. I'm not here just to, you know, be an American, you know, happen. No, I want to meet God. That's why I'm here. I want to have an encounter with God. And I want to take that back to England and make a difference for England, for, 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 for that continent. I want to make a difference for God. And that's our burden. And that's why I'm here. And that's why we're here. So I'm just praying that somehow, and I know God has started the work already, but I want him to continue and finish that which he started already. You know, because God has burdened the hearts of many people for England. Some people have not picked up the call. You know, I find it kind of ironic that we're all black. You know what I mean? <laughs> Don't you think? I mean, there are white people in Manchester. <laughs> well, it's funny that we're all black, and I believe God is calling some people that are not picking up the call. So He's calling all people that are ready and saying, here am I, send me. And that's my call, that's my belief. I'm saying, God, here am I, send me. I don't care about the color of my skin, I don't care about that. I'm ready to reach who you want me to reach in Jesus' name. And that's our burden. And and there's a lot of segregation in the church. And I don't think that's the way it should be. Because God has called us as one body to, to praise His name, to reach, to 
see everyone is the gospel, black or white or whatever you're from, everyone is the gospel. And I believe that God is calling certain people and He's going to use us. I don't know if He's going to, I don't know how He's going to work because it just seems impossible to me when I pray. You know, when I pray and I'm praying in tongues and I'm saying, God, do this, it releases things to my mind that are just impossible to, to, to comprehend. You know, like, God, how are you going to do this? How are you going to save the souls? But God said, He will do it. He said, He will do it. He said, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. It didn't say white daughters. It didn't say black daughters. Your sons and daughters. All races, all cultures, all nations, everybody, young and old, they shall prophesy. And that's our burden. Lord, would you save England today, Father? Lord, would you send now your fire on England, Lord? Father, would you send now your fire on England, Lord? Lord, would you send now your fire on England? Lord, would you send now your fire? it goes for another 20 or 30 minutes and there were many prayer meetings for Manchester and other nations um, there was actually a season where in Alabama we we have morning prayer every morning and there was a season where we felt there was specific direction from the Lord for us to pray double so we added uh, an evening prayer meeting every morning and every evening um, our church community would come together specifically to pray over Manchester. Um, and this, this video um, found Deborah Green. Anybody know Deborah Green, Redeeming Our Communities? Um, Deborah Green then sent this to Andy Hawthorne. Andy Hawthorne said, there's somebody in, uh, for some reason, a group of people are praying for, uh, for Manchester in Alabama. Um, Andy Hawthorne gets in touch with James and invites James to come be the prayer coordinator at Message Trust as a result of that video. And from there, a few years later, James, God puts the seed of prayer storm in James's heart. And now, of course, we know what God's doing through prayer storm. But as we continue to pursue God's will, I, I'm so stirred by that video. I feel like we could just like stop the rest of the service and pray. That's how I want to do. But I, I'm, I'm going to soldier on here. Um, so we continued to seek God. God continued to speak. This is one of the things I've found about God. When God's determined to do something, 
there are seasons when he's looking for someone to co-labor with. And then seasons where he's so determined he's going to do it. And it's, it's kind of like it's that Jesus moment. Let the dead, dead bury the dead. You, just, you, you come follow me. The opportunity is not for him. It's for you. And I feel like we got in a season with the Manchester Word where it's like he's doing it. He's, he's determined to do it. And, and, the, and he's giving us an opportunity to be a part of what he wants to do. And his word starts to come so clear. And one of the most significant words from God, I wish I could tell the whole story behind it, was that God wanted to raise up an army of the young that was coming to this nation with a loud shout to see the enemy flee from this nation. Now, that, that uses language that meant something to us. I love what Micah said a couple weeks ago. God, used, God speaks in our language. But um, the reason why I highlight that specific language, because when we came... One of the first relationships we formed that God connected us with was with Andy and Michelle Hawthorne. And when we told them the words that we had, Andy was in awe because he said one of the words for us that's the founding words of the message for us, God gave Michelle. And it's the word that God wants to raise up an army of young people out of this city. And we went, whoa, this wasn't just our word. This is Manchester's word. And if you can realize that when we talk about our story, Ramp Church, in the past five years, we're not just talking about our story. It's this, we're in God's story. This is God's story. Our story is God's story. Sometimes I add some lines that maybe aren't God lines or some footnotes that aren't God footnotes or some paragraphs that he has to correct later. But the story is God's story. It doesn't start, stop there. Then we met Pastor Paul Lloyd, Victory Outreach. Anybody love Pastor Paul? Um, I, many times when I'm with him, he shares this vision that God gave him about a tsunami of glory coming to the city. Has anybody heard him share that? That he shared it the first time I heard him share that was at a Greater Manchester prayer gathering, and I was just like overwhelmed. Then a few months ago, I'm out in the foyer after Ramp Church, and I'm just meeting and talking to people. One of my favorite things to do, and um, and a, a a man from Nigeria recently moved. Um, comes up to me and introduces himself. His, his name's Ola. And um, starts to tell me his story of what, of what brought him here. And, and I, I kind of open up with some questions, actually. So, you know, what brought you to Manchester? Do, do you have a, you know, work, was it work? No. Do you have family here? No. Well, what, what brought you to Manchester? God told me to come. Okay, I'm kind of intrigued. I mean, this is one of two things. Either we need some mental help or... God spoke to somebody. Does that make sense? It's one, of, it's one of two things here. God spoke to me. I'm okay. I'm intrigued. And I said, well, tell me about that. So he tells me his story. You need to hear his story from him. One day we'll have him tell the story here. But him and his wife, where's Grace? Is she here? Somewhere. There they are. Can you guys just wave at us? Just wave. Just wave so everybody can see you. <laughs> Careers and jobs and and a home and lives in Nigeria and God gives him a word and based on that word they quit their jobs and they move to Manchester 
And I said, well, can you tell me the word? He said, yes, I have it right here. He pulls it up. The first line of the word. There's an army of the young that's being raised up in Manchester. I said, you're going to have to stop right there. (laughs) I don't think I can handle any more. And that word was so significant to him, he, he moved his... He didn't even know about the rant when he came here. He didn't know about our word. He didn't know about Andy and Michelle Hawthorne's word. This is, this is the season of when Jesus is preaching, and we see this again in Revelation. Whoever has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. That's when God speaks, and whether his word is heard is not dependent on the power of his voice, but on, on the receptivity of the hearer. Does that make sense? One of the reasons I think God would send people from out of this nation to this nation, it's not that we have anything special. It's because it lets people who are from here, it lets them realize the seriousness of what God's up to. Because sometimes we belittle the place where we're from because it's common to us. But when we start seeing God send people from Nigeria and Uganda and America and Australia, And other places, we start to go, wait a second. If God's asking people to change their entire life plan to come to my city, apparently he's up to something in my city. What is he doing? He's writing a story and you're in it. I'm in it. We're in God's. What's the past five years of our life, Ramp Church? It is the story of God that he's writing through Ramp Church. I went through the archives And I found a picture. Can I show you a picture? This was a little over five years ago in Stacy and I's living room. This was our launch team right here. So this is is where Ramp Church started. Obviously, Nate and Megan, they're in Glasgow now. Rob is in Exeter. Sanja. (laughs) She did not review or approve this photo. Dom and Emma. They're on our launch team for Oxford Road, so they'll be there tonight. They're not here this morning. Here's James with that ball cap and hoodie on. (laughs) Becky right here, Joseph. Joseph was playing this morning. Where are you, bro? Right here. On our blue sofa. If you've been to our living room, it looks exactly like that right now. (laughs) Except that plant looks half dead. That's that's the difference. That is the difference. But this this is where Ramp Church started five and a half years ago. Actually, it started with James and Becky and Sanja on our sofa a few weeks before this. And three people, our family of five, was the largest proportion of our church family. Um, so this, this, is where, this is where it started. We moved from here to a cafe, and then from a cafe to Stratford Grammar School. Did anybody go to our Stratford Grammar School location pre-lockdown? Yeah, all right. Rep in Stratford. So, um, and then they, they were doing... Um, Building work, so we, then we moved here, and then last week we launched our second location in Oxford Road. Isn't that amazing? But our story is God's story. Your story is God's story. And I was reminded of this verse when I was thinking about this, and it's Paul challenging, encouraging Timothy to get in tune with God's story, but not just get in tune with it, to wage war with it. And I love this verse. In 1 Timothy 1.18, Paul says this, I'm giving you this command. That's pretty serious. Think about if your pastor tells you that. 
I'm giving you this command. Like he's serious about this to his spiritual son. I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies. What has God said? An army of the young, we know that. There's some things that maybe I'm hazy about. I'm kind of like, mm, did God say? Is God saying? You know, there's some things I know. It's just been confirmed too many times. It's undeniable. Um, in keeping with the prophecies that were once made about you, recall them to your mind. And when you recall them, you are fighting the battle well. And I, I, want, I want you to leave with something today. There, there's, there's a story that God's writing through our city, and those words are over your life. There's also words over your life. And you don't have to have a prophet walk in the room and, and say, thus saith the Lord. This book is full of them. Promises over people who are God's children. And you, if you don't know them, you are missing your greatest tool in fighting life's battles. And here's some principles that are so simple, I almost didn't even, didn't even mention them. They can be cliche, but I want, I want... Every life path has opposition... It's what you're fighting for that matters. If you think, if someone told you that become a Christian because your life will become great, I'm sorry, I don't know them. They're probably great people, they have great intentions. But is, am, I, am I too strong when I say they lied? They lied to you. Because the New Testament is quite clear. In this, in this life, you will face persecutions. There is no life path that is pain-free. This is what should make you choose one life path over the other. What makes the pain worth it? What makes the pain worthwhile? What makes the challenge have meaning? What makes the path every up and down and rough place and hard place? What gives that meaning and purpose in the overall story of my life. Every life path has opposition. What matters is what you're fighting for. And this is what Paul's instruction to Timothy is about. Here's the principle behind that instruction. It's this next slide. When God's word guides you, God's hand sustains you. When God's word guides you, God's hand sustains you. That's the promise behind. He's saying, with the prophecies that have been made about you, wage war. Remind yourself of what those are. And then every defeating voice, every defeating opportunity, every distraction, you bring back the word of God to remind you about the direction that God said for you. Are you hearing me? Can I make this practical in my own life? Um, when I'm struggling with the, with the fruit of some of our ministry endeavors, there, it's not like everything we do at Ramp Church I'm thrilled about, right? I'm thrilled about some things, but like your life, probably, there are things I'm excited about, there's things I, uh, and then there's things, well, be better next time. <laughs> there are things that we've seen in our journey that don't look like an army of the young coming with a loud shout. Sometimes it looks like an army of the board, you know, coming with like a, well, I may see you next week. You know, like. Sometimes it looks like that. Well, what do I do on those days? Do I focus on the army of the board who may come back next week? No, I recall to mind 
that not somebody with good intentions, not my mom who thinks I'm the best at everything in the world, right? God. God said, I'm raising up an army of the young and they're going to come with a loud shout. And when I recall that to my mind, it's that word that then enacts God's hand to sustain me in the place that He's called me to be. Maybe for some of you in your workplace. You're in a place where you know God's called you there to bring some sort of policy or procedure change. Maybe it's your leadership or your management there for specific people. Maybe for you it's about the next step and there's a development in in your own self or you're looking for open doors. Whatever that is, when you see that things are not in alignment with what you know God has said over your life or identifying in you, that's when you recall to mind, what is God's word for my life? What is he doing and what is he saying? The first thing about the past five years that we've got to understand is that we're in God's story. The next thing is this. We're in Manchester's story. Where is Ramp Church right now? Well, we're in God's story, but we're also in the story of this city. This is not just one huge epic global story, but there is something happening in this city that we're a part of. One of my absolute favorite verses is Jeremiah 29, verse 7. I love this. Seek, this, this is God's word to Israel at a time where they are, not, they are under the rule of another nation. Can't go into the history of that. And God is giving them direction on how they're meant to, how they're meant to act inside that nation. This is what he says. Seek the welfare of the city where, where I have sent you. We could preach a whole message on that right there. Right there. I kind of did. I kind of preached a couple of them a few weeks ago uh, about um, uh, working for the good of your city. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you. You know the city he's talking about? Babylon. God's speaking about Babylon. Yeah, like the proverbial city now that we used to like talk, like just everybody, non-Christians use like, yes, that place is like Babylon. I've seen clubs called Babylon. (laughs) You guys are embracing the call. That's what he's, seek, seek the welfare of Babylon. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Isn't that incredible? What's the posture of God's people inside of Babylon in a post-Christian society? We seek the benefit and the welfare of our city. We are salt and light in a place that has no salt and has no light. And when the welfare of the city increases, we increase as well. That's our call as the people of God. So I remember through lockdown, I think this was, this was really easy to see through lockdown. You can see it through our outreaches. Um, and even this past month, our outreaches um, have been so good from having a presence at Freshers Week, street music ministry. Thank you, Javante. Come on, baby. Prayer walking, one-to-one evangelism, building relationship with people that God has placed in our paths. And so many other things. But I, I just wanted to show you some photos um, just throughout lockdown that I found that I just feel like capture so much of what happened. Do you, you guys remember this? And yo, where are you? Come on. Yes. So in partnership with Barnabas, this was actually the mayor's, um, one of the mayor's warehouses where, where there were supplies um, being sent to meet needs in our city. So we partnered with Barnabas and the mayor's office to help make this happen. But that wasn't it. The, you, you just keep going through these photos. They're just so great. This was um, doing an outreach to some, some elderly homes in our city. And um, uh, keep going, keep going. I love this. All right, my man Michael's been working. 
brother's been working in some gar- doing some garden work and the next one, uh, some outreach teams. Um, I love this. But during, during lockdown, this is some of the way we've helped improve. You have helped improve the lives of our city. Um, but during lockdown, I just want to show you um, 5,000 plus meals in Manchester and Trafford. We partnered with organizations to provide 5,000, over 5,000 meals in Manchester and Trafford during lockdown. Isn't that incredible? Come on, give God praise for that. Why? Because we believe in the betterment of our city. And that kind of partnership is about improving the welfare of everyone. But not only that, this, this isn't just um, during lockdown, but in the past two and a half years, Ramp Church has given over 68,000 pounds to charitable causes in Manchester and beyond. Isn't that incredible? So that's because we believe in what God's doing beyond um, our church walls. What have you supported? Well, you've supported a few things. Relief work in war-torn Ukraine, evangelism in the UK, Bible smuggling into closed nations, human trafficking intervention, orphan care, prison work, and more. So much is happening. And I want you to realize this, this next, this next idea, that your yes to Jesus makes a difference in our city. In our city, God is writing a story through Manchester, and your yes to Jesus makes a difference in what God's doing. So, we're in God's story, we're in Manchester's story, and then this last one, we're in your story. We're in your story. And I, w- I want to, um, I'm going to tell a couple stories about what's happening in your lives individually, but I want to start off with a video. And these, uh, our, our Oxford Road team put together some videos for Oxford Road. And I realized um, probably most of us haven't seen it in, in, our, in our morning service. And so I'd love to show um, Danielle's story. Uh, Danielle's probably tired of seeing it if she's in the room. Are you in the room, Danielle? Yes, she is. She's like, I have seen this video about 40 times. Um, but I wanted, I wanted you guys to see it. Uh, this was made specifically to, to share the news about what God's doing uh, at the ramp for people who are interested in Oxford Road. Um, But I think you'll enjoy it. Watch. Hi, my name's Danielle, and I've been at the ramp for 11 months, almost a year. What has your experience been like at the ramp? It's been amazing. Um, It's been different than what I'm used to. Um, I think the first thing I would say is probably how welcoming it, welcoming it is, like from the moment I walked in, it's just the vibe, like it would be difficult for me to describe to you what exactly it was, but the atmosphere was just very welcoming. And just the community, I think, like having older people, people my age, the range, the diversity in Christ, but all in one building is really beautiful and I love that. I would say it's a home away from home. I think the main thing that you're looking for when you come to university is like a sense of belonging probably, Um, a community, you want to feel like you fit in or you want to have people to do life with essentially. So I think if you were to come to the Ramp Church, you were to come to the Ramp, (laughs) you would find that. Um, Because it's a family, like there's, like I say, people of all ages, people your age, people older than you, people younger than you, it's that family feel, but without you being at home. Um, so I feel like it's the perfect environment to come into when you're in a 
part of your life where things are a bit uncertain, you're trying to find who you are, being in a great church family like The Ramp is a, the best place to do that. So now can you tell me like one story or like a moment, um, an impactful one you've had at Ramp Church? Oh, it'd probably be the time I got baptised. Um, I didn't plan to, um, but I ended up being dressed in all black. I ended up looking like I was about to get baptised even though I didn't plan to. But then Pastor Joe like gave the call at the end, like, does anybody want to get baptised? And I just felt like the Holy Spirit saying, go, like, you wanted to do this, you didn't plan to, but now's the time to do it. And so I threw my hand up and I was like, I want to do it. And then like the applause from the room, like the sense of like encouragement, again, that community feel was absolutely amazing. Like it literally brought me to tears as I was walking into the back waters and it was just like the most amazing experience getting baptized not with my biological family but with my ramp church family that was like the most amazing moment ever and I'm never gonna forget it what does ramp church feel like <laughs> that's what does ramp church feel like that's a really weird question um it feels like it feels different but it feels like home at the same time. I don't know. It's like, it's not what I'm used to, but it also feels, can we start this again, guys? Like this question, sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm trying to figure it out as I go. That'd be great. If I had to describe my experience at the ramp with one word, it would probably be life-changing. I think I've really enjoyed my time there and I'm gonna to continue to enjoy my time there. And I would encourage anybody who's looking for a ramp church family to try ramp. Just thank Danielle for her willingness to... <laughs> But not only um, has our partnership with what God's doing in this city um, meant charitable causes, but there's ministry partnerships. I think about Prayer Storm, which has transformed from this local Manchester prayer gathering into now uh, that's building into this national and international movement that's mobilizing and equipping people for prayer. Greater Manchester prayer gatherings and youth prayer gatherings that we've been a part of, we're still a part of. Festival Manchester, which took over 300 churches um, in unity to pull off. Over 65,000 people in attendance, over 3,400 decisions for Jesus. And your yes to Jesus makes a difference um, here. And your story is our story. But I also think about the marketplace missionaries. I'm reminded of Emma Mould, who I just spoke about, who had her live album release Remember that at Manchester Cathedral? Um, she's performed at some weddings of some of our senior, senior city officials, regular BBC appearances. She comes here sometimes on a Sunday morning, and I'm like, well, how's, how's your weekend been? Well, I just came from BBC. Oh, okay, cool. I just woke up and had a cup of coffee. <laughs> but you do BBC things then in the morning. Uh, musicians, singers, songwriters, um, marketing managers, solicitors, teachers, social workers, developers, engineers, I mean, all across our city, business leaders. I think about Pete, Pete Farrow. We went on a men's retreat. Yeah, we went on a men's retreat a few 
a few months ago. Um, who's on the men's retreat? Come on, yes. I'm surprised you can still lift your, your hand. It was three days in the wilderness. But I, I watched Pete, who is an incredible leader, just pour into dozens and dozens of men's lives and speak, share his story in a way that was life-changing. I heard their stories of these men. Absolutely life-changing for them. I think of George, um, George Abolo, who, yeah, come on, who co-founder of the Blacks, the Black Excellence Network. He's a medical student at um, Manchester Uni, um, and he's about to be a TEDx speaker here in about a month. Um, and then Caroline sent me this story about her role. Um, she's a chemical engineer. She said before her current role, her prayer to God was that there would be a, quote, energy tr- that, she would, that she sees there's an energy transition going on, whereas the world was switching from fossil fuels to cleaner energy, et cetera, et cetera. So her prayer to God was, what prophetic voices are speaking into this transition, which is probably as big as the Industrial Revolution? And if there aren't prophetic voices, God, would you raise them up? Our story is your story. Fast forward a year later, I find myself in a job where we advise the big companies that have the funds and investment capability to move the energy transition along by investing in these high-risk green technologies like hydrogen, carbon capture, storage, electric, electric cars, etc., etc. I'm in meetings with bodies that represent most of the oil and gas companies and writing reports on strategies to move forward the energy transition and warnings about how we'll miss climate targets. So every morning I have to say, Holy Spirit, you put me there. You take control of this. Isn't that incredible? What is that? That's, that's God's story about bringing everything, 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 everything under the authority of Christ. And he's doing it through one ambassador at a time. Part of that is a, is a generation of the young that's coming with a loud shout. Part of that is a chemical engineer who's been praying to God, crying out to God, God, who are the prophetic voices speaking into this? And then finding herself as the Daniel in the place of power and authority. Wait a second, I'm the prophetic voice speaking into this. So when you're praying for Ramp Church, you're not, praying for the, you're not just praying for the institution. You're praying for Caroline. Because your story is our story. What God's doing through your life, that is the story of the past five years of Ramp Church. This is not a building. This is not an institution. This is not a series of policies and procedures, operations manuals. This is a people whose God, ra- whose God has raised up in this city for such a time as this to do what only He can do. Stand up on your feet all around this room.